I'm James Briarton, and this week's episode of the Carolina Weather Group is brought to you by our upcoming training. Join us for free Skywarn Storm Spotter training. The Carolina Weather Group is partnering with the National Weather Service Office in Columbia, South Carolina, to offer you these free virtual weather classes, starting with our basic class. This is for all beginners, Thursday, March 10th at 7 o'clock. And then join us for our advanced lesson number two on Tuesday, March the 29th at 7 o'clock. These are open to everyone across the Carolinas. You don't need to necessarily live in Columbia, but we are thankful for our friends at the National Weather Service in Columbia, South Carolina, who will be hosting these trainings again Thursday, March 10th and Tuesday, March 29th, 7 o'clock. It's virtual. Everyone is welcome. Please register ahead of time. There is a link to do so in the description of this episode. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it is Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Welcome to an all-new edition of the Carolina Weather Group, and you made it through meteorological winter. Welcome to meteorological spring. Hope you are having a fantastic week. Well, America has a brand new weather satellite, and tonight we are going to be looking back at highlights of yesterday's GOES T launch. Thanks to in part to our friends at NASA TV. Hopefully you had a chance to join us yesterday on the Carolina weather net for free live streaming coverage of this launch. And we're going to show you some of those highlights coming up in just a moment. I want to remind those of you who are listening right now on headphones or on Bluetooth or in your car. If you are an audio podcast listener, don't worry. This episode is going to be full of lots of things for you to learn, even if you are just listening. So if you are listening, wherever it is, you get podcasts. Thank you so much for doing that. This episode is still for you. I do want to let you know, though, if you want to see any of the visuals in tonight's episode, there are two ways that you can watch this show. If you are listening to this audio podcast on Spotify, and this is kind of cool, there is now an option on Spotify to turn on video. You can even turn it on and off while you're listening to the podcast to kind of switch back and forth between the two modes. And as always, your other choice is to find the Carolina with a group on YouTube. All right, so let's take a look back at this great launch that happened just yesterday in Cape Canaveral in Florida, America's newest weather satellite. In just about 40 minutes, this United Launch Alliance Atlas V rocket will launch GOES-T into space. The satellite will continue nearly 50 years of protecting people and property from severe and potentially deadly storms. Welcome and thank you for joining us here at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. I'm NASA's Megan Cruz. The rocket's right there on the pad behind me. And this is Kevin Fryer. He's with NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Great to have you here, Kevin. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's kind of cold, though. A little windy. A little windy. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's going to be the biggest concern for the launch today. But so far, we are 80% go. So I hope that we can see this thing launch today. Yep, that's great news. <laughs> Kevin is here because GOES-T is a NOAA mission. NASA and NOAA have been launching GOES satellites since 1975, right? Yeah, it's an amazing relationship that we've been able to have with NASA. Um, over the past 50 years, the one thing that we can say is that we've actually saved lives as a result of that. We've also obviously moved the science forward with, in, with advanced satellites, but for the most part, what we like to hang our hat on is that we've saved lives. Yeah, GOES-T is the third in a series called GOES-R. You know, you're the chief of staff of that program. Can you tell us a little bit about that series? Sure, within the program, we like to say that not 
not only can we provide you with a big picture, but we can also read the fine print. Uh, again, being one of the most sophisticated satellites in the geostationary orbit, uh, our capabilities are basically to provide you with a constant view of the Earth. In our case, we're able to look at half of the globe, uh, and in, in doing so, we're also able to inform you on the environmental changes over time. And now for a check on the weather, here's Lunch Weather Officer Arlena Moses from Cape Canaveral Space Force Station's 45th Weather Squadron. Arlena, this launch weather you're about to report out forecasted with data from GOES satellites, right? Yes, that's correct, Megan. In fact, right behind me is a great example of the type of imagery that we get from the GOES satellites. In this case, because we're here in Florida, this is from the GOES East satellite, giving us a great view of what's going on across the Cape and East, Flo East Central Florida this afternoon. Now, as mentioned earlier, we did have quite a bit of overcast clouds uh, and some uh, low clouds out there earlier today, but as our satellite imagery is showing, we've scattered out pretty nicely with only a few clouds as a concern as we go through the remainder of the launch countdown. The trade-off, however, for those clearer skies and, some, and partly sunny conditions is that we do have pretty breezy conditions out there. I'm sure anybody who's outside across uh, the Cape uh, this afternoon is experiencing. And those are going to be our primary concerns uh, as we go forth into the count for the remainder uh, into the launch. Now, if we take a look at the forecast here, we're going to be looking at those pretty gusty northerly winds from about 26 to in a 26 to 32 mile per hour range. Temperatures about on point for this time of year here in, in central Florida, where highs are, uh, temperatures are going to be in the upper 60s to around 70, which will feel a little bit cool if you're outside with that. But for launch concerns, not a big deal. As I mentioned earlier, liftoff winds are going to be our primary concern with a smaller concern for some of those passing cumulus clouds. But overall, we have an 80% go for weather, and things are looking good. And so hopefully a good launch to keep our fingers crossed. Back to you guys, Megan and Kevin. All right, you said fingers crossed. We're doing it. Hey, yeah. where are your fingers? Okay. <laughs> Arlena, thank you again. Quick check on the clock. We are now at L minus about 28 minutes to go before we launch GOES T. Now, GOES stands for Geostationary Operational Environmental Satellites. Geostationary refers to where and how the satellite will orbit the Earth. So, this might be a little difficult to understand uh, unless you see it, right? So, this is why we brought some props here today. Kevin, let's start off by just talking about how you determine a satellite's orbit. So, it's really determined by its overall role, right? What is the job of that particular satellite? So in the case of polar orbiters, they typically will rotate along the poles, and their job is basically to image the entire planet as the planet rotates underneath it. So there is, a, there is a time frame for which they can provide you a global image. And so, again, in a low Earth orbit, that is why you'll see those particular satellites used. But, but a the geostationary orbit, it, it has to be in a fixed place so in the sky at all times, right? Correct. And actually to achieve that, you have to be 22,000 miles above the planet. And as a result, so it can actually spin with the Earth as it continues to rotate. So relative to your position on Earth, you will always see this particular satellite in its place. So that's why we say it will keep continuous watch over the Western Hemisphere with a second GOES satellite, right? Absolutely. So between the two of them, they'll be able to cover this portion of the hemisphere we're talking about from uh, Western Africa all the way to New Zealand. All right. And GOES-T will reach that geostationary orbit on March 12th. And now let's take a closer look at the satellite. GOES-T is the size of a small school bus and weighs over 6,000 pounds. It has a five-panel solar array, which you see there. It's the one that's kind of swinging out. They'll produce more than 5,000 watts of energy, which is the same amount needed to power your home's central AC system. 
Ghost T has six advanced instruments that can analyze weather hazards and environmental conditions. The plan is for GOES-T to replace one of two GOES satellites already in orbit that together protect more than one billion people in the Western Hemisphere. GOES-T's instruments will gather data that can help in so many different ways, as you just saw. For more on that, let's uh, hear from NASA's Leo Martin. Thanks, Megan. I'm here with Pam Sullivan, NOAA GOES R program manager. Pam, thanks for joining us today to give us some insight onto this mission. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So we've heard that there are six advanced instruments on board GOES-T. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Sure. Let me tell you about our most revolutionary instrument, the Geostationary Lightning Mapper. It's actually the first time we've had this capability on orbit, and this instrument is watching the Earth, taking pictures 500 times a second to look at lightning. And because it is a new instrument, we're actually learning new and interesting things about lightning as a phenomena. For instance, we've seen that uh, large wildfires can generate their own lightning. And the GLM has also shown us that lightning strikes can be really, really long. For instance, uh, GLM recently measured a lightning strike that was more than 470 miles long, stretched from Texas over to Mississippi. Wow. And so having that type of information, you know, 500 images per second, that's almost like having maybe like a stop motion film. What can we do with that information once we have it? Yeah. Well, the important thing, of course, is what the forecasters can do with it. And they use the GLM data in conjunction with um, our advanced baseline imager data and and some other data, but they look, um, when they're wanting to see if a storm is intensifying, they're looking at that lightning signature and they're looking for what they call a lightning jump, when the amount of lightning strikes increase dramatically because that indicates that the storm is um, likely to be becoming more severe and may spawn dangerous tornadoes. Oh, wow. So you, we talked a little bit about the location that this will become uh, a satellite that observes the Western Hemisphere. What part, uh, why is that location significant? Well, yeah, specifically GOES-T is going to go into service um, as our GOES-West spacecraft. So it'll be stationed over the equator, a little bit off of the West Coast of the U.S. Um, and as you know, most of the weather in the U.S. moves from West to East. So that Western satellite is really important as giving us an upstream view of what coming. Um, so that's uh, a big part of it. Um, but the other thing, GOES-T will also see uh, dangerous conditions uh, that are particular in the West, like wildfires and smoke, uh, dangerous dust storms, and also the, uh, the phenomenon of atmospheric rivers. That's incredible. And so some of these instruments that are on board that are advanced, they're actually uh, a, a, an advancement from current satellites that are in orbit now. Is that correct? So um, the GOES-R series compared to the previous generation, yeah, is much more advanced. Um, the uh, advanced baseline imager generates 60 times more imagery. Um, and then the lightning mapper, as I said, is a brand new capability. Thank you so much, Pam, for giving us some insight into this mission. We're excited to see the launch. And Megan, we're going to go back to you. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. You know, one agency actually uses GOES satellite data more than anyone else, and that's the National Weather Service. So joining us now is Chrissy Hurley, who's a meteorologist there for the Nashville area. Hey. Hello. Good to have you. Thank you for having me. So excited. Yeah, and I know that your job is a warning coordination meteorologist. That means that you need to coordinate with people, public safety officials, if there's severe uh, weather headed that way, right? Yes, that's uh, my main job is outreach with the public, 
TV meteorologists and emergency managers and safety personnel. We just heard Pam say that GO satellite data, you know, or GO satellites look for things like atmospheric rivers. Can you talk to me about what that is? Yeah, an atmospheric river is very similar to a river on land. It's taking moisture from a tropical region and transporting it in the sky to cooler, drier regions over land. And so this can be a sign for heavier precipitation or snowfall or rain, which could lead to flash flooding. So it's a it's a flooding event. There are many different kinds of flooding right. event, right? Right, yes. And so last year, I remember you and I were talking, there was a major flooding event. It was actually a deadly flooding event in August in, in that middle Tennessee area. Right. Waverly, Tennessee experienced a catastrophic flooding where we had over 20 inches of rain that occurred in McEwen, Tennessee that less than 12 hours. Wow. And so we were able to use ghost satellite imagery to monitor the intensity of these storms and watch how they just trained over the same locations over and over and over and able to, you know, alert emergency officials that that rain wasn't going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Wow, and the last time that Tennessee had an extreme flooding event like that was 2010, so that was a whole series ago. Yes, you know, big differences with GOES satellite imagery between 2010 and 2021 is a meteorologist and forecaster in National Weather Service office. You know, data coming in much quicker, better resolution, and this is really gonna help us, you know, predict forecasts better and save lives. When we say much quicker, what does it mean? You know, how often were we getting images in 2010 versus now? You know, in 2010, we were getting images every 15, 30 minutes. If you think your internet's slow now, it's like hitting the refresh button, right? Now we're getting them as quick as 30 to 60 seconds. Wow. And Incredible. so that is really making a huge difference for any operational forecaster. Chrissy, awesome. thank you so much for joining us and giving us that insight because that is really something to yes. think about. Minutes versus seconds and seconds really matter in severe weather events. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, thank Chrissy. You. Kevin, we were talking earlier and you told me that oftentimes GOES satellites, even at 22,000 miles above the Earth's surface, they can sometimes detect fires before people on the ground even know that they're there. Absolutely. It's, That's it's so an, impressive. It's an amazing capability, absolutely. And we heard from our National Weather Service rep. I mean, right there, they, that's a great example of how it happens. National Weather Service meteorologists are able to view an area that's not populated, but they can see a heat signature and actually detect that fire. And we found out to the tune of 80% of the time, they're the, one, the first ones to actually call and let fire responders know that there's a fire that has just started or is, is, is ongoing. So we know GOES satellites can help National Weather Service, fire officials, as we've said, but I didn't know this, that we use GOES satellite data every day. Every single day. Anytime you open up your phone and you want to see the forecast and you're opening up an app, a weather app, that's exactly what you're doing. You're actually using GOES information. That GOES data is going directly into the models that inform you on what the conditions are going to be. Fascinating. I can't. I, I, I had no idea. Here I am just looking and I, you never think about where it came from. So thank you so much for telling us about that. Hello everyone, I'm meteorologist Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel Television Network, and I am so excited for the GOES T launch. Meteorologists and weather anchors like me across the country depend on GOES data to bring you your daily weather forecast, but also to keep you and first responders safe during severe weather events. Accurate and timely forecasts are crucial, and that's not possible without satellites like this one. Godspeed, GOES T. 28. Verify ECS reduced for launch. Verified. 25. Status check. Go Atlas. Go Centaur. Go goes T. And here we go.
the final seconds now. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And liftoff. Liftoff of NOAA's Ghost Team, our newest weather sentinel in the sky to help keep us safe here on the ground. Darrell, let's listen in as we listen to United Launch Alliance Rob Kish, okay. who's the flight mission commentator. You have gone to close loop control. Yardy 180 is now throttling down as expected. Engine response looks good. We're now 33 seconds into flight. Atlas is three miles in altitude, 0.9 miles downrange distance. We have passed through Mach 1. The vehicle is now passing through Max Q, maximum dynamic pressure. We throttle back those Now 55 seconds into flight, Atlas is 7 miles in altitude, 4 miles downrange distance, traveling at 1900 miles per hour. RD-180 is now throttling back up. Backed off the throttle to reduce the stress of the rocket. Flight. Atlas is 13 miles in altitude, 10 miles downrange distance, traveling at 2,700 miles per hour. And the vehicle has reached a 4.6 g acceleration limit and will maintain this level through BECO. And you're looking at animation now. We've seen that the Centaur has begun its boost phase chill-down sequence. Booster about to cut off. And Biko, booster engine cutoff. Standing by for stage separation and a successful stage separation event. And we've seen pre-start on the RL-10. And MESS-1, we have ignition for the first burn. Hey, Alex. Hey, Daryl. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Hey, thanks for having me out. So this is it. This is it. This is the PLI. The NASA Portable Lightning Instrumentation. I see it right here. You're going to take it up there all the way where the top of the rocket is? Yeah, right, right around where the payload fairing is, level five. All right. That's where we're going. Well, you need a hand? Yeah, come help us. Now that we're inside the VIF and we're about 13 stories up, tell me a little bit about this box. You've got some, looks like some sensors here. That's right, so we got the current probe, which is over near the rocket, and we have three more sensors over here. This one is an electric field sensor. This one up here is a magnetic field sensor. And this little one over here, that's a GPS antenna. That's how we, we get it, make sure our data stays uh, synchronized in time so that we can correlate that data to all the other lightning detection networks in the area. So what happens if there's a lightning strike somewhere nearby? What does this do? So if it's close enough to cause any uh, interference in this area, these field sensors will pick it up first. And they'll cause the entire system to take a snapshot of that data and record it. And how is that helpful? 
We'll know what the peak of it was. We'll know how long the transient lasted. We'll be able to calculate how much energy traveled through there. We'll have a lot more information to work on. Small box, big rocket, but it's got a big role in the whole scheme of things. It's got a big job, that's for sure. So we can see those lightning towers out there. That's and ULA right. tells me that that protects the rocket when the lightning strikes. So why do we need the PLI? Yeah, so this system over here, uh, we call that the lightning protection system. That's designed to protect it from a direct lightning strike. That means the, the lightning is attaching directly to the rocket. And we're concerned about, you know, a lightning strike out there in the ocean, maybe just a mile away. And the energy in a lightning strike is so intense, it creates these very powerful magnetic and electric fields. And those are the things we're concerned about, because that magnetic field can come through and couple into the umbilical cable. It's a huge loop. It makes a big old loop. And that's the current we're looking for with the PLI. Has the PLI ever prevented a long launch delay for a previous mission? Mars 2020 was where the data from the PLI gave the spacecraft team the confidence to go ahead and launch. So there was a lightning strike around the Mars Perseverance rocket. That's rover, right. And you saw it? And we gathered that data, yep. And it launched on time. It did. And it's up there now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, on Mars. That's right. Some very uh, in, intense, uh, intense looks. Ten seconds remaining. The folks on the left. And we have indication of successful spacecraft separation of the GOES-T spacecraft. This is a great moment right there, Daryl, as we see the team celebrating that spacecraft separation. Uh, three hours we've been waiting for this and uh, successful deployment of the GOES-T satellite. Yeah, well, you got some hugs down there, Omar Baez and Chuck Duvall, who, Chuck Duvall, longtime LSP manager who's retiring uh, in a few months. And uh, the spacecraft team as well, uh, up across the upper row, uh, handshakes and congratulations all the way around. Kevin, Gosey has successfully separated you and I. Clapped along with the launch team here. How do you feel? Mick hit it on the head. The whole <laughs> team is happy. Uh, yeah. Pam Sullivan, Candace Carlisle, myself. I mean, the entire program is excited. Um, it's like the delivery of a baby. We're just, we're, we're overjoyed. Yeah, this is obviously a big accomplishment, but there's more to be done. What's next in this mission? Yeah, so the next uh, point we've uh, talked about in the past, which is we're now going to coast out for the next 11 days uh, to the actual operational orbit and from there we'll, we'll be checking out the instruments to make sure that the instrumentation on board is, is getting the information is getting down to the ground site like it's supposed to at which point in time then we go through the product validations we just make sure that the products are correct uh, at that point then it becomes operational and unfortunately a little bit of time it'll take a it'll be 2023 early 2023 uh, when we actually can go fully operational but until then we'll have some images to share right and again six advanced instruments on board you know we talked about uh, how they're going to help us forecast our day-to-day -day weather but also detect and monitor severe storms but also this is a great tool for climate change tracking climate change absolutely just by the nature of the orbit um, with a geosynchronous orbit being able to constantly stare at one particular location the entire time uh, we're going to be able to see changes underneath whether 
it's going to be associated with over land or over the ocean, we'll be able to see those changes over time and document that and now with the highest fidelity possible. That'll do it for us here at Kennedy Space Center for this live coverage of NOAA's Goes T. A big thank you to everyone who participated, especially you, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll now take 11 days for Goes T to get to its geostationary orbit, about 22,000 miles above the Earth's surface. At that point, it will be renamed Goes 18. NOAA will test Goes 18 to make sure everything works, and if all goes well, they expect to put it into service as Goes West in early 2023. You can continue to follow this mission. I'm sure Kevin would love that uh, by scanning this QR code that you see on the bottom of your screen there. Uh, you can also uh, just go to the website if you can't scan the code right now. So that website is noaa.gov slash goes t hyphen launch. Again, noaa.gov slash goes t hyphen launch. Thanks again for watching. Have a great evening, everyone. And our thanks to NASA TV for providing us with that perspective yesterday. Hopefully you had a chance to watch it. You can rewatch all of that coverage or watch any of our other popular space videos. We know so many of you love space videos by finding the Carolina Weather Group on YouTube. Those launches from Walps, Virginia are always amazing, aren't they? Well, that does it for this new episode of the Carolina Weather Group. I'm James Briarton. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget that link to sign up for our free Storm Spotters training classes coming up this month in March. That link in the description of this episode, wherever it is you are watching or listening to us this week. I'm James Briarton. On behalf of everyone at the Carolina Weather Group, hope you're well. We will talk to you again real soon.